Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today, we have Steve Sanders on the show. He is the chief audit executive at the Bank of Ireland. A couple of the things that we get into, he's very fascinating, by the way, and very much forward thinking, um, I would say. But some of the things that we hit on is what the three-year vision for his audit department is, which is a question we've been asking recently on pre-interviews. So what we, the pre-recording stuff when we talk before we actually do the recording. And I think it's a great question to be asked and to ask ourselves, you can kind of tell when people don't have a plan and it's like, uh, we're going to, well, we're, we're, we're going to mitigate risk, you know, and, uh, do some data stuff. Um, and then that's kind of it. So I think everybody probably has an idea in their head, but definitely formalizing it to some degree, uh, especially with the team and the executives is always a good exercise. And if you're not in a leadership position, I think looking at where you want to be three years from now, doing a gap analysis and seeing where um like what skills you need to be where you want to be is also a great exercise but anyway uh, we also talk about how 2020 changed the audit profession uh and then how to communicate the value of internal audit which is something that i've seen talked about a, a few different times on various blogs and podcasts and things like that but um i think as a at a minimum we should be able to communicate the value that we add so steve has a great answer there all right, here we go. What makes your brain happy? What makes my brain happy is having lots on. I am someone that's a little bit of a busyness junkie, so never often sitting still or anything. Um, so I like to be very active. Uh, I like to be physically active as well. So I'm particularly, my brain is happiest when I'm out and about hiking through the mountains or something like that. That's when I'm at my most joyous, I think. What kind of um, like physical business is it like hiking? I know you mentioned that. Is there other stuff that you're into? Yeah, I like to do a bit of running. So uh, back in my heyday, I did a bit of a 10K runner, did some races, got a couple of trophies, which was nice. Now uh, I do a whole mix of different circuits and stuff. Uh, thanks to the pandemic, you know, I got a virtual online trainer. So he sets me lots of painful things every day. <laughs> and I'm out there in my garden on my patio with a pull-up bar, just trying to stay reasonably in shape. Nice. All right. What song makes your brain happy? Uh, the songs that now make my brain happy are the songs that my kids love. Yeah. So I was, I was on a road trip recently. Uh, it's just me and a friend. Um, 
and I, I had on in the car the Encanto soundtrack yeah. just because my kids love it so much that when I hear it now, I associate it with them like, and their smiling, happy faces. That sounds corny, but that's actually true. Yeah. It would have been in the old days, something like Metallica or something, but now it's Encanto. Yeah. That's, um, the theme songs to those, not the movies, but the shows, they get stuck in my head. And right now, yeah. um, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. Nice. that one yeah so yeah, I did, yeah. there's a there's a song and i guess they recorded it in like 1991 i found out last night um playing one of the versions and i cannot get that song out of my head yeah Maybe making a big that one that that's where the money rolls in when it gets yeah. stuck yeah and that happens all the, like almost have anxiety at night like get this song out of my head <laughs> <laughs> all right uh what's your favorite tool blank sheet of white paper or a blank whiteboard. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's tends to be where I go. So I've got my print next to me here. And, and recently I found that when I really want to think through something, I grab a piece of plain paper. So I don't pick up my lined notebook. I get plain paper and I just start drawing pictures. And that really helps me. Yeah. Is there a, do you have like a, um, <clears throat> like a method or a protocol for, for whiteboarding or is it just like drawing or do you, do you have like a, um, again, like a methodology for that you follow to for ideation and getting ideas out there? I mean, there's, there's, there's two broad approaches I've used. The, the one I use most when I'm literally just trying to think around a, a problem or a challenge is like a mind map. So I put the problem in the middle and then I just start doing spokes off and like bubbles and bubbles. And then I'll start doing bubbles off the bubbles. So you end up with this kind of web. And that's, I'm quite a visual person. So I need to be able to see it before I can really understand it. And then I think once I'm a bit further on, that's where I'd go to, um, like scrum practices, Kanban boards and stuff to try and do a workflow or, or that kind of thing. So those would be the two major ones. Okay. Yeah. Mind maps. Those are, and there's software out there for those that, uh, for the listeners or software out there. If you've never done a mind map, um, they can be very helpful. Yeah. All right. If you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, please just do this one thing. What would that one thing be? Think. Yes, sounds quite fundamental, right? But it literally is. No, please think. Um, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, because I, I, you know, I've been in, in auditing for 20 years now. So I clearly love the gig, right? It's, uh, I, I'm, and, I, and I love my colleagues uh, and that, that do this. But um, so often we're creatures of habit, us auditors particularly, right? Um, and if you think back to the good old days, if anyone's done external audit before, the classic don't repeat last year's steps, mm -hmm. you know, well, for auditors, don't just repeat standard methodology. Don't just execute. My driving instructor, I often use this with my team now, my driving instructor had a phrase that stuck with me. Don't be static in the cab. And I'm saying that to my guys now. Don't be static in the cab. Like Even if you're, if you're an audit senior and you're assigned to a piece of work, it's not a question of just receive this, here's the steps that you're going to execute, go off and execute and report back. It's like, yeah, get that. But then think about, well, what's the goal here? What are we actually trying to achieve? And then, you know, the reason why we've got these uh, very skilled audit teams with different backgrounds is because we want their, we want their brain mm -hmm. and we want their, their judgment. So please use that and challenge and go in different directions. And um, I think if more of us did that, uh, we could be in a whole different place yeah. as a profession. So that, that would be the thing. Yeah, I think getting in the details and not bringing it back up kind of to the top and going, okay, what's the objective? Like the overall objective, like why are we looking at this given area? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, something that, that can be tough as a staff or a senior to try to pull yourself out of that. But I agree, that's um, a great way to it look is. at it. And that's why you need great leaders. So you need great managers, 
great directors, great heads of audit who can help keep that tagged back, right? And then coach that style of thinking. So it's, it's accountability all the way up to try and drive this. Absolutely. What does the three-year-ish vision for your audit department look like? It's very handy, actually, because we, we did set out a three-year strategy and we're one year <laughs> in. Um, you know, and that, that sounds delightful, right? You know, uh, it's, it's not like you chunk through these things and tick them off all very nice and neatly. But broadly, we started from quite an unashamed goal of wanting to be recognized, the outcome, if you like, of that three years, wanting to be recognized as one of the strongest um, internal audit functions in Europe. Uh, so we are in Ireland um, and, you know, our, our organization is already, already relatively prominent in our domestic market, but we don't limit our ambitions to that, right? Um, so when we chunk that back and say, all right, well, what would that look like? Um, there were a couple of core themes that really came out that we're driving towards. One, the prominent one is around the people. Uh, and actually it touches on something we, we spoke about a little bit earlier. So we want to foster and engender a culture um, that encourages thinking that encourages deliberate action, um, that frees people up to use their brain and their judgment. So uh, they're not um, customers of a very paint by numbers style catalog approach that, that we give them, but they're able to deploy their skills to, to provide judgments with confidence. So that means you need to work on cultures of psychological safety, of empowerment, um, and getting people comfortable with the fact they're gonna challenge and they're gonna think, because thinking's hard and often humans by nature we try not to do it. We try and find the fastest route around. That's human nature. So a lot of our people's strategy is on that kind of softer cultural side. Um, and yes, there are some SME things in there too. So there are skills things. We want to increasingly get more and more of our folks data fluent. Um, for sure, we'll have a higher preponderance of uh, skills such as tech skills, modeling skills. Um, those are in there too. But re the real anchor point is around this whole leadership at all levels freedom of thought and judgment. That's, that's one kind of pillar. The second thing is around our, our methodology um, and our tooling. And, and in simple terms, it's simplified methodology. And again, yeah, hopefully you see a connection here, but um, you know, often I found that as auditors, we kind of love to write a very long audit methodology, which says thou must do this, this order, <laughs> this person must sign it off and woe betide you if you don't, you know, I'm gonna write you up. Yeah. And actually when you think about it, in our external standards, our professional standards, it's principles-based. It, it is not prescriptive like that. So why do we wrap our people up with all these requirements and then all these long spreadsheets and tick sheets that go along with it and really take their time away from actually applying their thinking and helping our organizations? So we want to simplify the methodology and then appropriately align a tool that will facilitate that, um, that journey going forward as well. Um, and I guess the last area is really around what we're doing organizationally um, in, in our team. So different functions obviously arrange themselves in different ways. There's a classic to you to align yourself to your organizational structure. You, you have t permanent teams in audit that line up to each of the divisions. Um, and then you matrix off to the risks or do you do it the other way around? Um, we have chosen to align ourselves to our enterprise-wide risks as our primary way of organizing ourselves. And the reason we've done that is because in recent years of experience, we found that we did our day-to-day -day work and all the teams are busy executing projects and producing results. And then it came to opinion time. And bearing in mind that uh, we do this twice a year, um, but at least annually, we all should be giving an overall opinion to our, our boards, right? In terms of what's the state of the nation for control. Um, 
when we did that, it felt like we had to do this weird translation exercise about, oh, actually, how does all this work be done? How does it map into the risk so that we can tell our board what's happening? And that just feels weird. It's like, well, if that's the key product, if that's the key goal we're producing, why are we not more permanently aligned to just chipping away at that as we go rather than this weird translation? So uh, we've just recently this year made the shift and we've got our leadership structure now aligned for enterprise risk and we're experimenting with how we then mix up the team structures to align to that to try and make that more intuitive. It's not going to be easy, um, but we're giving it a go. So that those are the goals. But hopefully all of that, you know, ends up with us, um, you know, feedback coming from in our inside our house, our folks and outside, recognizing that we're, you know, we're a shop that people want to be part of. That's the goal. Yeah, that's great. I like the the gap analysis that you that you talked about in terms of this is where we want to be in three years, or this is what we want. This is where we want to be in three years. Okay. Work our way backwards. How do we get to where we want to be? Um, we were talking to Larry Harrington recently, and he said something similar for individuals relative to what they want from their career. So he said, you know, look at where you want to be in three years as an individual, write your resume for that. Yeah. And then work your way backwards and go, okay, I need this skill. I need to do this. I need to develop these relationships and, and as a way to um, ultimately get to that. So it sounds like something similar, a similar approach to what you did, um, which Very sounds true, yeah. fantastic. And there's a lot of, a lot of really good, um, a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah. We've found ourselves using more and more and actually we're trying, you know, you know, what whole organization we're trying to use this word more is outcome. So the question is always, what's the desired outcome? What's not, not what the project is, not what the activity is you want to be doing, but what's the end state you wish to achieve, right? Get that clear. Once you've got that clear, then, you know, you can work out how best to get there. And you know what, that journey it might change because the world changes around us. So how are you going to get to that outcome today? Next week, maybe it's a different way that you could get to that outcome. But as long as you're clear on the target state. Um, and again, that sounds basic, um, but it's, it's incredible how often we're not again, as humans clear on what's the desired outcome of this activity and then work backwards. And so I also know that you hate what you called old school audit. Mm. So for those that might not know, what is old school audit, uh, at least in your opinion? And then what have you done differently to move to, let's call it new school audit? New school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. This is, as you say, just this is my opinion, right? But old school audit for me is... Uh, you have an annual audit plan, for example, um, of yay long projects, let's say 100 projects that you, you, you commit to at the start of the year. And then the remainder of your year becomes a question of simply executing against that static, immovable plan of stuff. Um, and it also involves largely uh, a fairly standardized approach, you know, standard audit that takes, you know, six, eight, 12 weeks to execute. So a lengthy uh, a lengthy period of field work and quite an elongated process between starting the work and then the value. And for me, the value is the report. That's our product, right? Um, so it's it's got a feeling of being retrospective, after the fact, slow, and it's not dynamic in terms of responding in the moment to how the company and the environment's changing. That, that for me is old school. Um, and we mentioned it before, but uh, the culture within there would be one of execute. Um, so here's the instructions, here's the testing, go just do and report back. The new school audit for me is much more dynamic. Um, and, it, and this is a challenge for the whole profession, I think. Our organisations, regardless of which industry you're in, because I think you know, any significant industry it will be the same on this, are always changing now. Uh, and even more so in the last probably two years since the global pandemic. 
Um, and the world around us is just changing so fast and so fundamentally. I mean, look what's happening geopolitically right now. And who could have predicted that four or five months ago? None of us could. So for me, it would be foolish and we'd actually be abdicating our accountability as those lines of defence to just try and have this static plan and just to execute and, and not be responding fleet to foot quite promptly to things as they come up. So all the time, I think of the risk profiles that we're accountable for providing assurance on, right? It's dynamic. It's, it, it doesn't stay the same thing. It's like a stock market. You know, even day by day, there'll be a risk that ticks up a bit because something's happened outside or inside and there'll be a risk that's coming down a bit. And so we just need, my view, new school audit is, we have a constant daily lens on that. So we're monitoring that and we're viewing it. It doesn't mean we're knee-jerking and we're suddenly every day ripping up every plan and changing in the new plan but it means we're alive to how things are changing. And more regularly, we are mixing it up. So we are moving to the thing that's coming up the agenda and we are deprioritizing that thing, which six months ago was a priority, which isn't anymore. And actually we're also deploying different techniques to execute assurance because our purpose of being for me is not to deliver audits. That's not why we exist. Um, we exist to help make our organizations safer, for their customers and for our internal clients and external clients. That's why we exist. How we achieve that is entirely up to us. So we can do, yes, we can do deep standard audits. We can do short, sharp pieces. We can attach to management activity and we can fire in live opinion as we go every week. Or we could do standalone analytics queries and just literally report that. Whatever the tool is, and there's many more than that, um, just use that toolbox um, to achieve the outcome. That's new school order. And the last element of that, which we've kind of mentioned before, is it's not an execution mindset. It's a highly cognitive problem-solving mindset. So every auditor in the team, in, a, in an effective audit team, in my view, should be constantly thinking, what's the goal we're trying to achieve here? Right, how do I go about this? And, and, and every time they're doing anything, they're constantly coming back to, does this meet what we're trying to achieve? And maybe it doesn't. Okay, stop. Park that. Let's go on to something else. That's that's what we need to do. That is new school audit. I'll have to brand that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all yours. I thought that was great. So you mm -hmm. mentioned, um, you know, the rapid change, and especially especially what happened with the pandemic in 2020. And I know when we talked previously, you had talked about what your team did and how your team reacted to that. Yep. Did you, uh, which I think is interesting, and I think the appropriate thing to have done, despite some of the um, hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Folks that bring their pitchforks uh, oh, yeah. when it comes That's to talking about independence. Yeah, right? Yeah. So when it comes, okay. So could walk the audience through what you guys did during 2020. Yeah, 2020, wow. The, the year that was, right? And it already it seems like a, a long distant memory. Uh, I guess there's a couple of things um, we did. Um, the most impactful thing I felt we did was we, we took a pause. It wasn't like stop 
the machine, but we took a pause, a thinking pause, it's all right. Uh, to part of our discussion before, this is incredibly significant. Let's not just try and just keep going and keep going. Let's just take a pause. What are we going to do? Now, everyone at that time, you know, I think when we got into like March, April, when certainly things in Europe were really scary, right? They were ramping and ramping and the lockdowns were happening. And organizations uh, like ours uh, had to work really hard to try and respond to such fast moving things. You know, government uh, legal changes about what they required financial institutions to do to support people who were struggling, who were suddenly uh, not having a job and had loans that they necessarily couldn't repay, et cetera. New facilities is moving so fast. One of the benefits of having a professional audit function is it's full of very skilled professionals mm -hmm. from different backgrounds with different skill sets. We deliberately create them that way around. So we felt, well, at this time, uh, we work for the bank. We work for the organization. We all wear the team shirt. The most important value I think I can do right now is make sure I'm helping the organization keep our customers safe and keep the bank safe. And that meant ultimately we ended up seconding people into first-line positions. So if they were credit specialists, uh, we provide them to various uh, credit teams that were working hard to develop and deploy um, solutions uh, for payment breaks or for you know assessing the portfolio of um, customers now to work out who might struggle and who might we need, want to do a proactive reach out to. Um, and likewise, technology, you know, a whole whole raft of different skills. So at the high, we're a hundred or so team. At the height of it, we had about 30 or so, 35 folks um, in the first line embedded uh, for a few months. Um, now, to your point, you know, I, I've had a lot of discussions on this. I know a lot of uh, our peers would have done something similar. Some didn't. Uh, and there are some opinions out there that you're crossing a line. Right. And you, can't, you can't do that. I'm sorry. But ultimately, the world happens. And when this thing happened, which was outside of world war, the most significant thing to happen to humanity, it was right that we did the right thing uh, to, for our customers, for our companies. And that meant this was the right thing to do. Does it impede our independence? No, we can put safeguards around that. So for sure, what we didn't do is we had people going out and then coming back in, say for your credit, we weren't deploying them to a credit team, bringing them straight back in saying, right now, audit that thing you just you know were involved in. No, we'd have a period of up to 12 months where we'd make sure they weren't looking at the team that they've just supported for a while that was quite a simple control we just managed um but we get a lot of um uh, thanks from our organization from our exec from our board for that um and our people felt like they were helping uh, and at that point that's what people wanted to do they wanted to feel like they were doing something that's making a difference so that was the that was the biggest thing really yeah and um i agree in the like when it first when everything started going down I, I had a similar sentiment like i just wanted to help whoever whatever needed help there was a uh like a yoga studio that i would go to yeah sometimes but it's it had been a while since i'd been there and and for whatever reason they kind of popped in my head i think they did some kind of zoom yoga thing and they're like hey it's free they just sent it out to the email list and I was like, I, I, I watched it and I was like, okay, the tech sucks. The audio sucks. Like there, you, if this is going to be a long-term thing, which it might be, we don't know how long we're going to be on lockdown. Yep. They need to yep. fix that. And so I was like, uh, we were, uh, we were working when that was going on. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I think I'm gonna go to the yoga studio and tell them how they can fix like their, their audio and their video and, and like how to make yeah. it better. And she was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just like, and now that you or say it like that, I just feel like you wanted that, like everyone did want to, to help in some way. Um, that was probably the, the overall 
feeling, uh, especially for those like first few months, maybe a couple months where it's just like, no, you know, it's just kind of chaos and you just want to go help whoever that may be your neighbor, you know, whoever that may be. Completely. I think, you know, in in the midst of very difficult times, you know, with the pandemic, but now with the uh, political situation in Eastern Europe, you know, extremely challenging, but somewhere in there, we're also seeing the best of humanity Mm -hmm. because we see people doing things because they want to, because they just want to help. They don't expect reward. They don't expect remuneration. They just want to help. And I think we've seen that now for the last number of years. And put another way, you know, in this situation for anyone out there that that, um, worried about independence or thought that's not really correct for me as a human being, as a senior uh, colleague in an organization, it would have been incomprehensible that we might have ended up in a hypothetical scenario where we had customers in potential difficulty, which we weren't able to help because our team was snowed under. Mm-hmm. I'd be sitting in your team with skills that could help get to the customers quicker and refuse to provide them. Yeah. Uh, how does that make sense? How does that help the banking sector stronger? How does it help, you know, the whole economy be stronger, et cetera? So it was a no-brainer and we just put sensible safeguards around it. Yeah. And and you say um, the goal of the org- or the goal of, of internal audit is to keep the organization safe, keep the, the customers safe. And a, another way of saying that would be like we need to help them. Like we want to, we want to help them. And so my comeback for the folks that would go, oh, you can't go, you know, we can't move people to first line, you know, during those times. Well, if you don't and the organization goes under, you have nothing to do anyway. And so like, that's yeah. how we could have helped during that situation. So I really like the way that you put that. Completely great. And actually it's funny you use the word help because in, in the three-year strategy for our uh, function that we talked about before, as part of that at the very start, we articulated our refreshed purpose um, as, a, as a division, right? What, the answer to the question, why are we here? Um, and we boiled it down. We debated, we debated, you know, many just kind of, oh, to provide risk-based assurance, blah, 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 the usual stuff. But we kept doing the child thing and asking, yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? Yeah, but mm-hmm. why? And what we ended up crafting was one, a purpose which says, helping make Bank of Ireland better. Because that's what it boils down to. So yeah. it's funny to use that word help because ultimately... That is why we're here. It does all roll up to that higher purpose. Perfect. And, and speaking of helping, um, in a way that we could help the the auditees or the clients or, or whatever you know you may refer to them as, or as the, the audience may refer to them as, um, I thought it was interesting when we first started talking that you said the best compliment we can give someone within our profession is they did they were adequate, right? Like per the standard, like adequate job it's like that (laughs) that's just like a horrible way to uh to compliment somebody or to tell them hey you didn't do a great job because we can't say that but adequate that was adequate Uh, so how are you how are you giving those auditees or clients uh more credit well i would say um that this remains in in our strategy this remains something we want to try and bust and again back to the point of uh we are creatures of habit and we are cautious creatures of habit as well so this is this is something we're still working on, right? We're not there, but what we want to do is we are challenging ourselves as to, as to why, 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 why do we speak like this? And it comes right down to the use of language. Mm-hmm. Why do we feel we have to use these terms? Again, it's not in any professional standard anywhere that thou shalt use only the following monikers to describe performance of a function. I know. And so it is, again, people worry about independence, so positive assurance um, is a term I've heard in the past. is full of fear because, oh, my God, but what if it's wrong? 
yeah, but what if anything we do is wrong? You mm. know, it's not just apply it to there. And at the end of the day, no sane normal human would communicate in this weird way. So when you say out loud, it's just wrong. So what is wrong with us saying, do you know what? That's that's good. We like that. Yeah. And, and that's part of our role in the spirit of helping make our organization better is to highlight, shine light on the good stuff and say, do that more often. Yeah. Um, and do it more widely as much as it is to call out when there's a bit of a challenge somewhere. So I think there's somewhere in our psyches or says, I don't know quite when it started, but it, it, there's a default of we should only speak in the negative and by exception. And I, I, I challenge why, where does it say that that's, that's how we have to operate? So again, you know, we talked before, you wouldn't like imagine a situation where you were chatting to your, your family or your kids and you're saying, oh, do you know what? Let's reflect on 21. It's been a good year. You did well at school. Yeah. I, I would describe you as a, as a, as a son or daughter, you were adequate. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? Like, no way. So, so why is it okay to tell our colleagues, oh, yeah, you've been working your backsides off all year on some really tough stuff. Adequate. No. Strong. Excellent. Well done. And I think that is absolutely fine. As long as in the same way that if we had a negative opinion, as long as we can support it with, this is why I think that's the right judgment. That's the judgment. Let's just talk English. It's yeah. part of, maybe it's part of the uh, new school audit approach. Talk English or you know or talk in normal language whatever that language is yeah and if you want to put that into practice next time your significant other or um your your children or your um parents grandparents whoever tell you that they love you just go you're adequate and see how that feels you know like see how that, that makes them feel and you go yeah probably probably a better way to say that then you get into a whole conversation these would be familiar right I'm saying oh yeah but I don't think you understand how difficult it is to get an adequate rating. You should feel great about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to use that. Uh, I'm going to use that later today. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, yeah, good luck. With the misses, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so last thing I wanted to get to is, um, and this is something that I see a lot of folks struggle with, is being able to communicate the value that internal audit brings. Yeah. I feel like even like at the board level, the C-suite, it seems like, a lot of times they don't even know what audit does. And there's this confusion mm. between internal and external audit. Most mm. folks probably still think we're just um, financial statement auditors and that's all we do. And so how can we change that? What, what can we actually do to help communicate the value of internal audit? I think one of the, uh, one of the things in there is to be less shy. Um, and again, I don't know why it's, a, it's kind of associated with a, a psyche that I observe, or certainly behaviours that I observe in my colleagues uh, and myself, um, because I've been an audit colleague for 20 years, um, is that almost similar to the whole, we, we kind of have to speak in the negative in the exception, is we kind of don't shout loud about what we're doing. We, we, we send our reports quietly and, and that's what we do, and, and we should be judged based on our output. But you and I would both know, and I think a lot of people that listen to your uh, podcast would know that there is a hell of a lot of effort that goes on in an audit function that is not captured or represented in any audit report or in any board audit committee pack anywhere. Um, so why is that okay? And why are we not talking about it more? Why are we not proud of it? Um, and how can we capture um, these slightly uh, less programmatic um, aspects of our game because I would find, and I'm sure that many others would agree, that sometimes, in fact, very often, we can have the most impact if we are a properly, properly functioning, integrated 
audit function, by integrated, I mean we're, we're truly part of the fabric of our organization. We understand what's going on, we're connected. Um, the biggest influences we can have by and large happen outside of formal audit delivery. They can be a conversation in the corridor, they can be a one-to-one -one with the CEO or a CFO or the right staff member where you flag something that maybe they weren't aware of and it allows them to take a better decision or a better informed decision. And that happens in the moment the decision is taken, it's better informed because of you or your team's input uh, and the organization stays safer, gets stronger. How do I capture that? I don't know. Um, do I make a log of all those moments where I mentioned to the boss that this, this happened or you should steer away from that? No, but we need to talk about it. So what do we need to do? I, I think we need to grasp this nettle. I think we should talk as colleagues about this problem. Whenever I have a conversation with someone about it, they very enthusiastically agree. Balanced scorecards as we've had them in, in audits, which measure the number of widgets we've produced and opinions, they have a place but they also capture only a slither of value. So let's talk about what are the value sources. We've gone as far in our organization of trying to capture what those are. And yeah, those are provision of assurance, their provision of skill to our discussion before about, you know, during pandemic, we provided skill. Uh, um, they are um, influencing the bank's strategy in a positive way. There's a whole raft of different categories of value uh, which we feel will contribute. Now the challenge is, how do you measure that and communicate it in a way that's not me chatting and, and making, making it sound like I'm self-promoting my function? I don't have an answer to it yet, but I do know that our current approaches don't, don't cut the mustard. Yeah. And they don't, they don't make me feel good about uh, my team being as valued as they should be. Got it. Somebody asked me recently, what research am I doing? Um, I just thought it was a great question. And so I, I answered, but would you say that's kind of like the research, if there's like a research project on your to-do list, that would be it. Like we got, this is the problem we're trying to figure out. That's it. You know, I, and I had, um, I had this very same conversation just yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm a member of um, one of the uh, committees in the ECIIA, so, you know, European Federation Institute of Internal Auditors. And we all enthusiastically agreed on that. You know, this is several chief internal auditors of significant financial institutions around Europe all agreed. This is a challenge. We're not great at it. And let's not be customers to what someone else might decide is the way to measure our effectiveness. We need to actually tell, tell everyone else how it should be done. So we're working on this now almost like a project together. Because um, I do think it's a profession, profession wide weakness. Um, so let's just, let's just crack through it together. All right, Steve. A lot of topics a lot of practical advice in there and just overall thought leadership that I thought was great, especially kind of that research project that we talked about. But um, all that aside, is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with? Two, two things, really. One, one is just a reflection for, for all of us. Um, we've talked a lot about how we've had to respond to dramatic change um, in and outside our organizations. Um, and one of the things that I'm very passionate about is as we go forward from here, let's not be ignorant to the impact that current events and previous events in the last two years, global pandemics and the stresses and strains and challenges have had on each of us individually, it's had an impact on me, uh, our families, our friends and our colleagues at work. Um, and I think that's really critical now because our well-being as a human race is probably at its most strain for a long, long time. And I think the worst thing we can do right now is to almost try and 
do the natural human reaction of anaesthetists and let's pretend it didn't happen and on we go and before we go full throttle and we're pushing people and pushing ourselves. Um, so we've got a lot we need to do and achieve um, in our lives, in this world and in our organisation. But please, my, my big reflection for myself when I'm trying to talk to my team and company about it is let's do that with humanity. Uh, and let's be kind to each other and recognise that we're, we've all been through a difficult time. So that's my main, I'm striving to achieve that um, in my team. And apologies, guys, if you're watching this and I don't always hit it right, but uh, um, that's what I strive for. And I would just say that's something for all of us to push for. Let's look after ourselves. And then just on my team, I would just like to say a huge thank you. Um, it's been a, a very challenging time um, for the last two and a bit years, a lot of remote working, which had a lot of difficulty for folks. And at the same time as that, um, I would have been my usual full of insights, yellow energy self with ideas coming out my ears and driving change. And we've made a lot of change in, in our function and everyone has consistently just gone about it with such great spirit. And I just want to take this opportunity to say, I really appreciate that guys. Um, and thank you. So um, that's it. Yeah, it's been a great chat. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.